We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Myself in the same category as Dwayne. Now Artest is jumped over the scorers table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, January 16th. Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. Alex, you were off last week. You were down in the heart of Texas, yep. I believe. You were taking in G League games uh, on your own volition, uh, <laughs> VIP, um, guest of the Austin Spurs. Uh, so before we dive into, I guess, the first big blockbuster trade of the NBA season, I need the full review on what it was like to be in the house at an Austin Spurs game. A uh, solid 1,700 people there, I believe, was the official number. That's a lot more than I would have thought. <laughs> Uh, no, it was actually it was actually really fun. Um, I sat second row, uh, baseline for like, uh, not really that expensive considering it's a professional basketball game. Got to see Keldon Johnson, um, Lucas Samanich, I believe is how you pronounce his yep. last name. Yep. Uh, it was pretty. It was the first G League game I had been to, and it was pr- uh, it was pretty obvious like who the NBA players on the court were, or the guys who have clear like NBA level talent. Both of those guys being included, um, yeah, it was, it was just a good experience overall. And like Samogic was uh, pretty impressive shooting the ball. He has pretty some pretty solid like spin moves and stuff like that that he can go to. Um, more athletic than I thought. Like he got his head over the rim on a fast break dunk. Um, Kelvin Johnson didn't really shoot much. He just went right every single time and tried to get to the basket. Um, but he looked pretty good. I think he scored 21, 22 points. 
and then no one for the not no one for the uh they were playing the Arizona Suns no one really stood out for that team what um, that can't be right I know. <laughs> um they I mean it was a close game but like there there wasn't uh anybody I like really that that stuck out to me too much um they're trying, pretty- to, trying to check out their roster as we speak here and I mean, do they have uh, Jalen McHugh? He wasn't there that day. Oh, that's um, rough. But okay, the point yeah. guard who who got the start was like one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. But I think he's like five ten, generously. Oh, is that Harper? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, was unbelievably fast, and um, but yeah, no, it was a it was a fun experience overall. Um, getting to sit that close and um, see everything like that. Yeah, I've been to one G League game. It was a herd game. Um, I thought I thought for the most part, like the atmosphere was really good. You know, for yeah. what it is, like they did, like game ops were really not all that much different than a Bucks game. Right. You know, you don't have the the jumbotron and things like that. But they had some version of Bango was there. They had you know dance team at every single time out. You know, there's a gimmick going. So it, I think these teams are or these games at least have come probably a pretty long way. I mean, I never went to a D League game in like 2006, but I would guess that. <laughs> The scene then compared to now is is quite a bit different now that you have these, you know, almost every team has an exclusive affiliate. Um, but I'm looking at the Northern Arizona roster, and, yeah, it's, it's pretty bleak. Um, not even a lot of guys that you'd really recognize, you know, if you if you follow college. You know, they have they have Odiasi, who is who's a key player for that Texas Tech team last year. He looked – And Tariq Owens, who was also good. Yeah. Um, he looked fine, um, but he was just basically, like, setting screens and getting rebounds, and I just – it, he didn't even really stand out doing that, so I'm not sure what his future in the league is going to be. There may not be one. I hate to break it to you. Um, but, I mean, that, that really, like, even though this is – there's a huge drop down from the NBA to the G League. I mean, so many guys yeah. who go down there for a rehab stint or, you know, are guys who just kind of bounce back and forth. Like, you know, Josh Jackson, for example, objectively sucked in the NBA and has been dominating the G League right. for the Memphis Hustle. You know, like, there's a big – a big jump there and it is it is kind of wild to see some of these guys who are really really good college players like jared harper you know be good to average in the g league when you know there's still another giant step to make to the nba so as i alluded to we had a, a massive trade um mm-hmm. i wrote like the entire office shut down our servers were overloaded there was smoke coming out my computer just blew up right in front of me uh right as the atlanta hawks traded uh for jeff teague who, of course, began his career and played the, the bulk of his career in an Atlanta Hawks uniform. Uh, they get Jeff Teague and Travion Graham from Minnesota in exchange for Alan Crabb. Mm. Why did this trade happen? I don't know. <laughs> I, I read Kevin Pelton, who always does a great job uh, at ESPN of getting trade grades up right away. Um, I read his article, uh, which came out like 45 minutes ago on this one, and he gave the Hawks an A, which I think is probably fair. Um, I mean, you're, <laughs> I guess. everybody involved in this trade is an expiring contract. So right. you flipped a guy in Alan Crabb who is kind of like one, you know, one night he'll play 10 minutes, then he'll not play the next three games, then he'll randomly play 25 minutes, then he'll sit out the next four. Like he wasn't providing any value for a team that has a lot of guys like him, just a lot of, right. a lot of wings, um, a lot of guard slash wings. And they bring back somebody in Travion Graham who's not as good of a shooter as Alan Crabb, but at least a similar body, you know, to kind of fill that spot. And then you get by far the best player in the deal in Jeff Teague, who, you know, moved to the bench in Minnesota. He said it was his idea, uh, but it didn't really seem like that was going all that well. They've they've kind of cratered without Carl Anthony Towns, and yet they're still only like three three and a half games out of the eight. So Minnesota is still very much in it, um, which makes you wonder why did Minnesota do this deal? You know, it's not like they 
have a glaring need for an Alan Crabb type, at least on the surface, you know, and you're, you're dealing arguably like your third or fourth best player um, to get someone like Alan Crabb. And again, both players expire. So you're kind of dealing expiring for expiring. It's not a salary dump by Minnesota. Pelton gave the Timberwolves a D and <laughs> essentially said what I'm saying now. He's just like, I don't understand this. Like, why would you do this trade? And I think maybe the explanation is, as, as Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer tweeted out, maybe there's the expectation that this is just the first step in something bigger. And I, I think I'm willing to give the Wolves the benefit of the doubt here because if that's not the case, this really makes absolutely no sense. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, I think the... Yeah, I mean, because if they wanted to free up a roster spot, they could have just waived Trevion Graham. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they could have just... Yeah. Or um, wait, I mean, or just get a second-round pick from anyone for Jeff Teague. You know? I mean, you could yeah. maybe even get a you know a heavily protected first from a certain team for Teague. Right. And... Um, I mean, Crab isn't shooting that well from three this year. I think he's at 32%, but he's a 38% uh, for his career three-point shooter. And the Wolves suck at three-point shooting, 32%. That's 29th in the league. So I, I think anything they can do to boost that is probably good. Um, and replacing Travion Graham's minutes with Alan Crab is probably a plus overall. But yeah, I would assume that this is part of a larger deal unless they really just think that like Shabazz Napier and Jarrett Culver... Um, are just as effective as Teague at point guard and then the small ad of Alan Crabb um, should boost them. But I, I mean, yeah, unless this is part of a larger deal, and hopefully it is, then I, I just don't understand. Um, as an isolated deal, I, I just feel incredibly neutral about it. Yeah, I don't think it would be possible to be less uh, enthused about this deal. I think if, if I'm a Timberwolves fan, and, and again, I think you're hopefully give them the benefit of the doubt like you're hanging around even though you're playing terribly you're hanging around in this race and it it just makes so little sense on the surface to make this deal and and you wonder like who are you bringing in you know I mean you have you have another serviceable backup point guard in Shabazz Napier so it's not that you necessarily need a point guard all of a sudden um and Teague like I said wasn't even starting but you know if this is the first step in another deal I you can't imagine that it's something too groundbreaking right yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was Kevin O'Connor. I saw the name Aaron Holiday get mentioned, yep. but you would assume that if you're trying to trade for Aaron Holiday, that might include Robert Covington. And then if you're trading Robert Covington, that, that's still a downgrade. So are you tanking? Like, are you, you rebuilding you think, now? I mean, and I don't know this for a fact, of course, but you'd think Indiana might want Jeff Teague back for Holiday, right? Just to give you a guy who's, you know, I mean, this is a team that's firmly in the playoffs. Yeah, like and, Teague and Covington for... Right, yeah. Teague, I mean, he's played for them before. He's from uh indianapolis i mean it would, i think it would make a lot of sense to kind of just have him fill the holiday role for the rest of the season and then readdress it when he's a free agent this summer i saw dennis schroeder as a name get thrown out um i think that that kind of makes sense but i also don't know what the thunder want to do as a team right now because they are playing so well um even, even though they lost to the the raptors last night i don't think that's going to stop them from no. you know um yeah, I mean, if you're if they're giving up Dennis Schroeder, that's kind of the, you know, not that not that Dennis Schroeder's a star, but I mean, he's been good for them this year, and that would be the, kind of the antithesis of a team that wants to stay in the playoff race. And like, who are you bringing back? I, I guess if it's Covington, maybe that makes some sense. Sure, yeah. um, but I I think you're kind of creating another hole there because Ben, I mean, Schroeder's been your sixth man and kind of your second. He's or been your good third for guard, them. right? Yeah. So like, I mean, all of a sudden, then you have a pretty big hole at guard for a team that has kind of a lot of those Terrence Ferguson, Hami Diallo, um, 
Jonte Burton, Abdel Nader types of, of guys who are who are solid, but not not necessarily guys you want like primary ball handling or creating shots like Schroeder does. So yeah, it's it's really tough to say what this is uh, exactly, and hopefully we'll get some more clarity before we're finished recording here. But I, I would expect that Minnesota has something else up its sleeve. Uh, Dan Wolken of USA Today notes that uh, in 2016, Atlanta traded Jeff Teague for the draft pick that became Torian Prince. Three years later, last season, they traded Torian Prince uh, to Brooklyn for two draft picks and Alan Crabb. They have now traded Alan Crabb one year later for Jeff Teague. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what to make of that. People were really high on Travis Schlenk after the Trey Young pick and the trade <laughs> that led to it, right? And they, you know they're building the Warriors East, and they have they have their stuff in place. Now they just need their clay. Oh, they have Kevin Herter. He's he's the second coming of Clay Thompson. That's kind of unraveled, I think, a little bit. And I, I I don't think this team is quite as bad as the record would indicate. What do they have? Like nine wins right now. Um, they've had some injuries. They had the suspension with Collins, but. I mean, they're still far, far from contention and extremely far away from being that team that we thought could win like 35 games and maybe be the eight seed. I mean, they are, I think, they, I mean, they pretty much did the process yes. um, and they still are. And for some reason, it's cool when the Hawks do it because Travis Schlank used to run the Warriors, but it he wasn't did. cool when Sam Hinkie did it because he was a nobody. Um, and I... I mean, this team is clearly built to lose. Like, I, no one, you know, I, coming into the season, some people had relatively high expectations uh, for the Hawks, or at least were willing to to entertain the idea that they might win thirty plus games. But that was kind of also under the assumption that Alex Len would make improvements. It was under the assumption that DeAndre Hunter would be good, um, that Cam Ruggish would be serviceable, and none of those guys uh, have looked good really i mean hunter i i don't even really know what to make of deandre hunter at this point he might he's probably more of a long-term role player option but like that's the exact same kind of player that torian prince looked like he was going to turn into and then once they real once they thought like oh you know that they, they dumped him super quick so like if hunter is this player again are they just gonna get rid of him are they gonna already try to dump cam reddish and keep just keep doing this thing because reddish is shooting 32 percent from the field yeah. 32 percent yeah I, I think something to remember with the the defense of the trey young deal even when it looked really bad last year and continues to look worse is that well you know we didn't trade luka Doncic straight up for trey young it was trey young and this extra pick in 2019 which of course became cam reddish and looks i mean he looks this 2019 draft is horrible so far yeah, and really really bad, bad. And like one of the worst drafts i think halfway through the year that we've ever seen and cam reddish is like the poster child for that draft being bad and yeah. Like you said with DeAndre Hunter, I mean, I, I think he's been about what you'd expect. You know, 40% from the field, 34% from three on a decent number of attempts. Um, he's defended well, you know, 12 points a game. I, I think he's been about what you'd expect, maybe a little less efficient. And it's tough to judge when you're playing on this type of a team. But that's a guy that I think you're really happy if you get with the 15th pick, not the fourth overall pick. Right. And you, you do have to adjust for the level of talent in that draft. But I, I would have liked to see them, when you have two picks in the top 10, especially in a class like this that was you know really heavy in the top two and then kind of a crapshoot after like take some more swings you know you, you you i guess i guess cam reddish was kind of a swing um but but to take deandre hunter that high you know i i, I get the pedigree I, I know he was a great player in college but he's 22 years old already and, and like you said he kind of is the same player as torian prince and i don't i don't know and this was this is not news to anyone who was evaluating him coming out of virginia like i just his ceiling is not that high 
Right. I mean, it's hard to know how much uh, stock to put in some advanced stats when a team is so bad. But I was under the impression that Hunter is supposed to be a great defender. He has the worst defensive rating on the Hawks. He has the worst VORP on the Hawks. Um, obviously, both. <laughs> talking <laughs> VORP, baby. Talking VORP. Horrible signs. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if the Hawks are just going to keep cycling like these you know, guys, you have John Collins, you have Trey Young. And beyond that, um, I mean, obviously you have some confidence in Kevin Herter, but um, I mean, what's he, you're just hoping he becomes a, he stays a 40% three-point shooter for his entire career and can take five to 10 threes a game. Yeah. And that is probably good for what, the fifth best player on a title team? I'm These still days. in on I'm still in on the big hurt. Like his his no, last good. his last eight games, he's at 18 points a game, seven rebounds, four and a half assists, one steal, 49 percent shooting, 51 percent from three on six attempts. So I like got I think with him, like he's had the injuries and whatnot. Like he's fine, but at, at the same time, right? He's not Clay Thompson, and I think he could be your fourth best player if your top sure. three are really good. But yeah, he's not. I mean, I, I would say I guess he for this team, he's probably a, a quote unquote foundational piece, but yeah, right. he's not a top three player on a title team right now at least he's not on that trajectory um although i mean last game 23 15 and 8 that's the thing is like he does have these games every now and then where you're like yeah. wow i mean it, it's not sustainable night to night but um you know when, when he's when he's on and when he's healthy I, I think he's still a really nice piece for them i agree support for this podcast comes from u.s bank if you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle look no further u.s bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding no matter what you're into Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I've asked you this a few times, I think, this year, but with the way that this draft class is kind of vacillated week to week, it's, it, it is kind of interesting. How would you redraft the top five right now giving everything we know and zion included redraft the top five i think um i think i think zion would still go number one yep, i think so too um it's hard to say right now uh but yeah he would still go number one morant would definitely still go number two he's looked way better than i anticipated he's been incredible um was not expecting him to shoot 40 percent from three his passing has obviously been out of control that was that was probably the most the part of his game people expect it to, to stick out of Barrett I mean he might I don't even know where he goes DeAndre Hunter don't know where he goes um I could see Hachimura still kind of going around like that five to ten range um definitely uh uh, uh Brandon Clark will yep. go Brandon Clark could go as high as five I think so far like he in goes this. high as like three if you really <laughs> want to make that case that's true um I think I think it's Williamson and Morant one two, and I, I, given what we've seen from Morant and 
the concerns about Zion? I know he hasn't played a game yet, and we should say he's going to be back in six days, so we'll, we'll maybe have a better answer then. But just given the injury concerns, there is a case to be made that you could just take the, the stability, I guess, that comes with Morant. And like you said, the fact that he's a 41% three-point shooter yeah. is, is huge as a rookie. Um, so I think it's those two, one and two. I, Darius Garland's actually looked pretty good over the he last has. month. I, yeah. I think if you're, if you're the Cavs, you feel pretty good about taking him five, especially with how these other guys have looked. Um, you know, P.J. Washington is probably right around that four or five range. The thing with Clark is he's just, you know, he's so old that there's not a huge ceiling for him. But again, with how this class is shaping up, you know, like if you're, I don't know, a team like uh, Minnesota or uh, Phoenix who took Cam Johnson, you know, it's like I think you'd wish you probably took Brandon Clark with that pick. Um, I think some teams are probably still high on Thibel. He's not a top five guy for me, but he's somewhere in that six to ten range based on what he showed defensively. Um, and then the other guy I think is Tyler Hero. Yeah. Who, uh, I mean, he probably jumps up to somewhere in the four to six range for most teams. And we're not counting Kendrick Nunn. Um, you know, no. Obviously, no, we we're not counting Devontae Graham, who, who did play last season. And I know Nunn didn't play, but he's not technically a member of this draft class. Yeah, Hero Hero looks good. I mean, for he's just about to turn 20 um basically this week or next week yep. um i you know his defense might be a problem for his for his career but you're you're getting a guy already who at this age can you know launch five threes a game at 38 percent. but i don't know it's weird because the the more we've seen so many like players in the league be able to shoot 38 percent from three that i'm not really sure like what it means anymore when a guy can come in like his first year and, and hit that mark like is that really as good as it used to be um but he he obviously I mean he got some comps to like Devin Booker he can maybe develop his passing a little bit if if he can turn into a, like a a six man like a high level six man kind of Lou Williams Devin Booker type guy like he'll have a really successful career and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a guy you want to draft like top five six seven but at the same time it, in the context of this draft um, I think I think you have to consider it yeah well I think with Hero I mean if, if he turns out to be a really good six man. I almost feel like that's kind of his floor right now. Um, doesn't have the highest ceiling either. You know, there's kind of a condensed range uh, of outcomes for him. I, I don't think he has like perennial all star written all over him or anything like that. But I mean, three games into the year, Miami was already calling him untouchable, you know, in any trade talks. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I think he, for the right price, they would certainly include him in a deal. But uh, I think they have higher hopes or aspirations for him than just a six man. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed daily in prizes for its NBA contests alone. You can use our promo code RW, that's capital R, capital W, when you sign up today. And you'll receive an instant match up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. I want to talk a little bit about the east um just kind of framing it around the the nets and the sixers who are kind of moving in opposite directions brooklyn has been kind of on this slow fall from that four five six range now down to eighth behind orlando uh which which won in la last night brooklyn 
of course, got blown out by Philly, a game that they led going into the fourth quarter and just collapsed. Uh, and that, of course, led to Kyrie openly criticizing the roster. And I think he named like four or five guys who he liked and then just said, yeah, we basically can improve the rest of the roster. And you can read into that what you want. But I, I the one thing I noticed is that he, he named like himself, KD, DeAndre Jordan, of course. Garrett Temple. Um, <laughs> and Temple's uh, a real Spen- one. Yeah, Spen- Spencer Dinwiddie did not name Jared Allen, which I thought was interesting. Well, I mean, that's the that was kind of the slight the whole year with like, uh, them getting DeAndre Jordan right um, was that clearly uh, K- Katie and Kyrie for some reason do not like Jared Allen um, I don't know man the Nets they're in a weird spot they are um, they've had a negative strength of schedule and they have a negative net rating which is not a good combination they're 18 and 22 right now playing a pretty pretty cake schedule um, so yeah they're five and nine when Kyrie plays not ideal i mean his it's it's hard to like gauge what's going on because their record is bad when he plays but he also is his his net rating is plus 10 so i don't Mm -hmm. really know like what's happening with that um he was not good last night and he kind of shot them out of that game late um but i I do think there's shooting someone out of a game yeah well he was a minus 29 last night in a game (laughs) in the game they lost by 11 and you don't want to read too far into that i mean they he was a plus 22 in a game they won by 22 uh two games ago uh but i mean it he to me he kind of defies plus minus in a lot of ways you know like he was a part of a lot of winning teams in cleveland and it when it wasn't there a streak for a while when lebron would miss games they lost like 17 in a row or something like that yeah. um and that it was never really an issue and I, I is it fair to say he was like coasting on that game seven shot for for a good like two and a half years like that really Maybe, carried yeah. him like Every discussion about Kyrie was, you know, was not really about his defense or about him as a teammate. It was, you know, he's one of the seven guys in the league that that can hit a shot in that situation, you know, and like that. It really seemed like everybody just bought into that narrative. And frankly, he hasn't been in that situation again. You know, that was a extremely unique situation to be in game seven of the finals needing to hit that shot. He hasn't been in an, in a clutch situation like that since. And, you know, as we saw in Boston last season um you know in a series when they were admittedly probably out outmanned uh, against Giannis in Milwaukee you know we we didn't see that same killer Kyrie you know that I think when when Boston got Kyrie it was we want the guy who you know scored 40 in a finals game and went crazy in game seven and hit that shot and we just that version of Kyrie just hasn't really been there since 2016. No I I mean I, I was never necessarily someone who thought Kyrie could be a number one option um on a team and it's kind of the problem when i don't know i when when your number one option your primary offensive option is someone who is so reliant on like volume shooting that always creates issues because that's just what they do and they can shoot you into a game obviously and they can shoot you out of a game and Kyrie, like Kyrie's a good passer like he's he's such a good uh he's such a good ball handler that his playmaking abilities through the roof it's just i feel like he he doesn't utilize that enough um and yeah, I, I I just think there needs to be someone else, and I guess that's the point of having Durant. Like it, when Durant comes back, there will be that guy um, next to Kyrie who can get different looks when the game is close, or allow Kyrie uh, someone who Kyrie uh, feels like allows him to take a break. Like I feel like Kyrie maybe wants to not feel like he has to take twenty shots, but he also doesn't want to give. 10 shots to like Spencer Dinwiddie 
And I think you have to be worthy of you have to be yeah yeah exactly you shots. have to be worthy of his him handing you right. uh, some extra shots late and I think he thinks Katie is that guy. It's kind of a fallacy I think of wanting to be the man but also not wanting to be the man right I mean like if that was <laughs> truly, be the second man if it was truly all about winning you just stay in Cleveland with LeBron you know right I mean yeah. he's kind of contradicted himself at every stop and it does feel like people are getting really sick of this and I, I think it people felt that way last year even in Boston and. Um, you know, I mean, at the same time, I, I think the expectation all along is this has been a waiting year for Brooklyn, and I think they're still going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to lose in round one, but I, I didn't really see anybody picking them to get past round one in, in the first place. You know, so some of these struggles really shouldn't be all that surprising because when you look at the roster without KD, it, it's it's a pretty average roster outside of Kyrie. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie's had his moments, and like <laughs> we talked about Torian Prince. Um, Karis Levert, like if Karis Levert can find a way, um, you know, to get um, to, to to round back like it reaches potential, that obviously like mm-hmm. it increases the ceiling of the uh, of the Nets dramatically. But I was I was looking this up. Um, Kyrie has taken twenty five or more shots in fifty five games. That includes the playoffs. Twenty five of those were wins. Um, <laughs> the rest losses. So he's when he takes 25 shots he's basically 25 and 30 um which is not a great number so i don't know i mean he played on some bad cleveland teams for a lot of years obviously but a lot of those came with boston Um, a lot of those are obviously going to come in the cleveland years with lebron um i just don't think having a kyrie irving based offense is a way to get you know into the nba finals yeah, I, I just have to pause for a second. Here. We're, wa- we're watching Jalen and Jacoby in the studio, and they are bringing on the rapper Yo Gotti mm-hmm. to break down J.J. Reddick's recent comments about players being too concerned about their Instagram look than uh, playing basketball. So I'm just just glad we were able to get Yo Gotti uh, to, to weigh in on this one. Let's talk about the Sixers, who beat the Brooklyn Nets last night. Uh, they're now 2-2 two and two since Joel went, went down with the most recent injury. Um on the season, they've been they've been pretty bad without Embiid. They've been blown out by double digits like five times uh, with him sitting. Um, and th- but they beat Boston without him uh, earlier this month. They beat Brooklyn last night. Like I said, those those wins though were sandwiched around a blowout loss in Dallas and, and a loss in Indiana earlier this week. And I, I was on the I believe the Ringer NBA show um, was already talking like. Is this, you know, do the Sixers want to shift towards Ben Simmons? You know, is, is Embiid, you know, just too unique of a player and too unreliable health wise um, that eventually, you know, it, it does seem like every every couple months it shifts one way or the other where it's all right. Now they need to trade Simmons to build around Embiid and now it's come back around <laughs> and they need to trade Embiid and build around Simmons. So I guess my overall question is, do they have to choose one or the other or are, are you OK with with this core, you know, being the, the big two for them, you know, beyond the next year or two? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I just don't, you know, I, I think you have to build a, uh, a roster so perfect around them that it's hard to, like, it's hard to, uh, you know, you can't just find, <laughs> you, you can't just like type in player characteristics and then like, just get those players who you need next to all these guys. So I don't know. And, and some of this might be due to, uh, the fit with Al Horford being a little odd. He ha- isn't having a particularly, a uh, great year and like this kind of just comes down to like I've, I've heard other people mention this and i think it makes sense like 
you know they need a they need a guy in the fourth quarter to make shots and create shots and that was jimmy butler and now he's gone um and whether or not whatever reason that was for whether he didn't get along with um you know with with the teammates um stuff like that i don't know but i as far as if you have to trade one of them i i feel like i would i feel like i would rather trade ben simmons if i had to um i know you know i don't know i i think Embiid is so dominant as a post-up player and in a like one of the very few post players left who can be effective doing that in a league that's kind of trying to go small ball. If he can truly develop that or continue to develop that and become one of the best post big men ever, um, or at least, you know, within the past five years, then I feel like that's something I would rather hang on to than Ben Simmons, good defense and like really good passing ability. But I feel like Mm -hmm. it's, you can just, I don't know. I, I feel like I would rather just build around Embiid. Yeah, I mean, without the health concerns, I think it's pretty easily Embiid. The health that's, concerns are something that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's I think, what the real kicker is here and what makes this kind of an interesting debate. And, I mean, the fact that Simmons, I guess, has had his health concerns of his own. I mean, he did miss his entire rookie season, but he really hasn't had any issues since then. Um, he's he's younger than Embiid. He's only 23. He's leading the league in steals this year. Uh, there hasn't been a ton of progression, of course, in the rest of his game. I mean, his numbers are shockingly similar from last season to the season the, before to now yeah the thing is though like in uh simmons ben simmons numbers don't really like increase when joel Embiid goes away like it when Embiid's off the court when joel Embiid doesn't play ben simmons doesn't like step up and and like step into this number one role mm-hmm. like his usage actually declines by a percentage and he averages you know like 15 9 and 8 with Embiid off the court it's not like he's coming out here and stepping up and um like I, I feel like Embiid is someone capable of, you know, um, like taking over an offense if other players on the team, like if Ben Simmons is out, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel more confident in the 76ers getting wins, um, even though, you know, their, their guard depth is kind of an issue there, but I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I think it's there are two players that are fun to come up with deals for because there are so few superstars who would potentially be available. And I don't I don't think either of them are actually available, but they, you know, I mean, Simmons is such a unique fit that there really are only a, a handful of teams. I think that on paper, it would make sense, you know, to send him to and and be I mean, any team could build around him. But but again, you have the health risk that that you do have to weigh. So tonight we have the usual smaller Thursday night slate. Um, we got Denver Golden State. I believe, as the late game on TNT and the early one is Boston at Milwaukee. And this is only the second meeting between Boston and Milwaukee um, back on October 30th, the fourth game of the year for the Bucs. They lost in Boston by 11 points. Uh, But if you look at the DraftKings Sportsbook, Milwaukee is a 10-point favorite at home tonight. And that number is a little bit higher than I would have thought. I mean, I know Milwaukee is kind of a steamroller right now, but they... You know, they, they, they've been blowing out a lot of bad teams. They typically, you know, they, they have a lot of good wins. Um, and with the exception of, of that Clippers game, they have played they played a little bit closer games, at least against better competition, as you would expect. Um, so I, I know both of us think that line is a little high, especially with Jason Tatum now off the injury report. He will play tonight. There is a chance that Jalen Brown doesn't play. He's dealing with a thumb injury. So that that is something to consider. But uh, even at home, 10 points for the Bucks uh, against a really good Celtics team is, is a little bit much. 
It it does feel like a lot. I, f- I feel like something more like seven and a half or eight would be yeah. what I was expecting. I think it even I, I mean even that, that, like the Celtics are the Celtics are the third best team in the East. Right. And I don't know, I mean some you know, some uh some like against the spread trends here. Like Celtics uh in their past six games as a road underdog, five and one. Um and um I don't know, like the this is a game where I would also expect uh, it'd be a strong like defensive matchup, mm-hmm. uh, and I would probably take the under if I had to because both these teams are obviously really good on defense. And if you're missing, like missing Jalen Brown matters for defense, um, but I don't know. You're, then you're putting in Marcus Smart, who's also a great defender. Um, I would expect the, the pace of this game to get slowed down. Um, it's at 225 and a half right now, or 225, kind of depending on where you look, the over-under. I feel like this game could, I know the Bucks score a lot, but I could envision this game being like 115 to like 110. The first meeting was 105, 116, so 221 total. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be closer to that again. And it was played at a pace of 102.4. So that that's um, you know, a little bit down. Bucks are at 104.7 for the year. So, you know, about two fewer possessions. This says uh, the under is four and one in the last five meetings in Milwaukee, so that's obviously a good a good mm-hmm. trend there. But yeah, I just I think I don't know. Ten, it just ten seems like a lot. I, I know they ha- the Celtics have haven't been as good lately, but I still believe that they when they're mostly healthy. Um, and I know not having Jalen Brown matters, but they have very often played like the second best team in the East. Very yeah. often, and they're, and, they're a team that typically shows up in games like this too. And, and yeah. a, a lot of their recent struggles were with you know Kemba was sick. I think he missed like three games and was limited for a while. I mean, I, I think they're they're a team that's pretty eager to prove that they're not the same group that got you know just completely laid out in four straight games in, in the second round last year. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm actually going to be in the house for that one, um, going with my dad as a okay. as a, his Christmas gift. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, but I'll, I'll report back on my findings. What I do want to close out with is a rec basketball etiquette, I guess, question. Okay. Um, so the other night I was subbing for a team, um, and we were going <laughs> up against a a pretty rowdy bunch, uh, okay. guys who I think were younger than us. Uh, it was very clear that our team, I think they were, it was you know one of my buddy's teams. He had several guys gone, several of their regulars. Um, so I think of all, I think we had like three subs and I was the only one who played basketball in high school. That was very clear. We had a <laughs> hockey player and we had a guy who, uh, I, I told my buddy this after the game, like the, and I, you probably know this too, like the telltale sign of somebody who really has not played basketball since they were younger is if you're driving left, dribble with the right hand. Oh yeah. You know, so you're kind of like That's shuffling as you go. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> so the other team was like way, way better than us. And um, but we kept it close the whole game. It was it was like tied basically the entire second half. But they were just berating the hell out of the refs. Like in this, you know, you've played in rec leagues before. You see that every now and then. It was so above and beyond. And one of the refs was probably seventy five to eighty years old, like really <laughs> old. And to his credit, didn't didn't say anything the whole time. Didn't okay. even look at him. Didn't acknowledge him. It was it was pretty awesome on, on his part. But you know, guys on our team are like, come on, like, we're not even trying to chirp these guys. We're trying to tell them like, please stop verbally abusing <laughs> this 77 year old man. And they were, they just wouldn't let up, wouldn't let up. Finally, I just said to this guy, I'm like, this is really embarrassing for you and for everybody. Like, this is super, super embarrassing. And of course, you know, he didn't like that. I'd said that 
um, started getting really aggressive. Uh, somebody on their team followed out. They only had five guys. So we played five on four for the last minute. <laughs> that two-two zone. Yeah, I guess so I get a, I get a layup. So yeah, so we held the ball, and there's of course no shot clock in this league. Right. So we held the ball for like the last like minute straight, which I I didn't love because you know you're not really it doesn't not, feel right. Yeah, no. right. I was like, what are we doing here? We're we're playing five on four. Like we should at least make this a game. But whatever. So we held the ball. Uh, got got the last shot. I, I put a layup in with like five seconds left. Again, we're five on four, so it was pretty open layup right. given the circumstances. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, nice. We, we won the game. So I kind of just uh, you know defended the inbounds pass and jogged back. The kid who I got into it with earlier pulls up from like 40 feet, drains a three at the buzzer <laughs> for the win. Just awful, awful. And of course, he let me know about it. Um, and I, I at that point really couldn't do anything but smile. But yeah, what is the move there? Like when you when you get into a situation like that, and then the guy hits a buzzer beater. Like I, I had no retort at that point. I don't even know what you can say about that. I don't know, man. Like uh, freaking out at the refs during a rec game. Mm-hmm. You have to consider. So I think there there are two points I would like to make about this. One, the ref being like seventy five. He is he's refing a rec game. He's seventy five years old. The basketball he probably watched in like the seventies. Mm-hmm. The the. Do you know how hard you have to probably hit somebody for him to be like, that's a foul? Well, it's rec league. And it's the other thing, too, is it's running clock. So I don't want there to be fouls. Like, I'm, ha- no. I'm I will happily, like, if I get fouled, I'm like, just give me the ball, shoot these free throws because you're wasting a minute and a half of a game that you know, you're on a 40 minute running clock. So, yeah, he's, yeah, I mean, everybody's there to mostly get a workout in, you know, like you don't right. want to waste it just shooting free throws and lining up for out of bounds plays. That ref is in, like, I want to go home. And I'm not calling a foul unless yeah. it's Bill Lamb- Lambeer status right. territory. So that and plus like, I don't know, like it, you can just like say something to the the ref. But this this happens in every level of basketball yeah. where some people like they'll scream and freak out at the ref. But you could just walk up to them and be like, why is that not a foul or this or that? Oh, oh directed at the players. You know, like if you think we're selling these fouls that this guy's calling, like directed at us. Like I, it was just <laughs> absurd. I felt so bad for the guy. And two other details that I left out. So one, I'm, you know, I, I think I was on the sideline at one point, you know, or when I was, um, you know, kind of letting that guy know that it was embarrassing for him. The, like the scorer guy leaned over to me and he goes, yeah, that guy's actually a head football coach in Madison at a, at a school in Madison, which was bizarre. The the, yeah. The player who, <laughs> who looked like he, there's no way he was any older than 30. And, and I was like, well, what's the record? And, or what was the record this past year? And the guy just looked at me and was like, it wasn't good. So that was shocking. <laughs> the other detail was the, the number two offender behind the guy I talked to, the guy who was chirping the ref the second most was wearing a Dennis Rodman Bulls jersey. <laughs> like you cannot show up to a rec league game in a Dennis Rodman number 91 jersey and then expect, expect to get calls. <laughs> like, what do you? What, how do you think you're representing yourself? You're you like, should, you should be mad if there are. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. If I, that's like showing up in a Spreewell jersey or like a, a stretched out Ron Artest uh, number ninety three <laughs> Pacers jersey. Like, you, you just lose all credibility at that point, um, especially with the refs. So I, I thought that was just. It was a really tough way to end um, what, what we thought was going to be just a fun night of basketball and. To lose on the buzzer beater was just a, a huge slap in the face. If, if you're wearing a Rodman jersey and you get hacked going for a layup and the ref calls a foul, you should get mad at the ref and be like, do yeah. not call that. That is not right. I did not get fouled. Dennis Rodman wouldn't want that called. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> do uh, I have a concussion? Am I bleeding? No, <laughs> no foul. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll wrap this one up here. Uh, Shannon's out in Vegas right now uh, for the FSGA conference. So I guess we'll we'll find out if he wants to record an episode tomorrow. It might just, yeah. it might just be you and Ken.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.